want to invite you to continue with us in worship. I've heard it said that love is patient and kind, that it isn't arrogant and that it doesn't seek itself. I've heard all these things about what love is and what it is not. But what does love actually look like? Love is not stagnant. It cannot stand still. It is equal parts heart and motion. Love moves. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love seizes the opportunity. Love does. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I wanted just to say a shout out to Stephen and to Zach, our student ministry team, and, and the adult leaders who serve in our middle school and high school uh, ministries, because they are doing a remarkable job. We're seeing God do some great stuff uh, in those two ministries. Um, and I would encourage you guys, because as I used to be a youth minister for 10 years of my life, all right, in a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I have Facebook friends now of kids who were students of mine in those years. And now I watch them as now they're parents of their own. And they're married and have their families of their own. Their years that they went to CIY, those middle school programs, those high school programs, where they just got away from all distractions and focused on God, those weeks were catalysts for who they are today. So parents, these are things, when we talk about Christ and youth conferences, those are ones you want to make sure you're highlighting on your calendar going, I got to get my kid there somehow. And if money's a problem, don't let it be. We have money set aside to make sure anybody can go if you're willing to send them, all right? Uh, so we would love for you to make sure that, that that takes place. And just so you guys know, know their heart of Stephen and Zach, um, when they first began serving on our staff, they didn't tell me this, but they said our vision, this is the vision they have together, is our vision is we want to, to have a ministry that isn't about the adult leaders or even about the student ministers, but we want to see high school kids baptizing other high school kids. That's the kind of movement we want to see take place. Well, guess what's happening right now? More and more, we're seeing students from our ministry reaching out to their schools, their friends, and their friends coming back, being baptized. And they're not going, hey, who wants to baptize you? Uh, the youth minister, the, the, the ministers, whatever. No, no. They want their friends to do it because they're the ones who have been influencing them. And this has been a really cool thing to see what God's doing there. If you are a guest with us here at North Terrace, first of all, we're really glad that you're here. My name is Matt. I'm one of the ministers uh, here. But it won't take you long to notice what gets our adrenaline pumping around here. That we have this thing called, uh, we have a vision, this vision, this, we call the one more vision that we are absolutely sold out to. You go into the lobby, you see it above, overhead, you see it on our t-shirts, you see it on our free gifts that we give out to our first time guests, just as a way to say thank you for being here. You will hear it, you'll see it many, many places you go. Um, and, and we flesh out this one more vision in five values. Really the heartbeat of our church. One is the one more person, one to Jesus. The one more disciple trained and sent. Because once you come to Jesus, now you begin the process of becoming like Jesus. And he will use you, he will send you on mission to help bring his kingdom to earth. 
the one more need met. You don't have to be only a casual observer to see that there are a lot of needs in our community and a lot of needs in the world. And we want to be about meeting one more need, the need that's right in front of us. We want to meet it. One more family strengthened. And lastly, one more orphan and widow cared for. And you know, really, we could have rolled this last one in with the, th- the, the third value, the one more need met, because they, they do kind of go, uh, go in together. But I'm really glad that our elders, our church leaders, they wanted to call out these groups of people specifically because that's what you see God doing throughout Scripture. You'll see the orphan, the child at risk, the, 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 the widow, the refugee being called out time and time again because these people are close to the heart of God. And as followers of Jesus, he calls us to have them close to our heart as well. That we need to be defenders of the defenseless. Here's just a few of these scriptures that back this up. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Psalm 82, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And then Deuteronomy 10 says, he, talking about God, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So as we continue on with our series that we're calling Love Does, today, you know how you take your car in for alignment? You know, today we're going to take our, our hearts in for alignment. That we would align our hearts with the heart of God. That we would begin to defend those who, who are defenseless in our world because that's who, who God wants us to be about. And so how can we live out this value together as a church, but also in your families and as individuals as well? So first I want to take one of those people groups, those at-risk groups, the refugee, for example. We hear a lot about the refugee today in our world, in the news. But what if I told you that there were hundreds of thousands of people being slaughtered in their homeland by this growing army that's fueled by hate and evil. And what if I told you that in the news, we kept hearing stories of these atrocities these families are facing without warning, without cause, they're being attacked, families being ripped apart, where Fathers and mothers are being killed right in front of their children and the children then being trafficked for slavery, for sex, for other terrible purposes. Many were sent to prison camps where the conditions could only be described as hellish. Other families ran for their lives with only the clothes on their back. They left their homes never to see them again. What if I told you that the whole world was watching this thing develop and watching these people become refugees immediately? And how would the world respond to this? How would we in America respond to this? What if I told you that the majority of people in America responded with the words, we don't want them? 
It's not our problem. Matter of fact, more specifically, 85% of American Protestants, 84% of Catholics, chose to turn their backs, refuse to offer sanctuary for these refugees. This, despite the fact that if you were to visit the Statue of Liberty today, which probably many of you have, at Ellis Island, where many immigrants, some of our ancestors probably passed through that place, on the Statue of Liberty are the words written by Emma Lazarus in the voice of Lady Liberty herself, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Now, as I've been talking about this scenario, maybe many of you in your heads, you were thinking about the current refugee crisis that we've been hearing a lot about in the news. But that's not what I was talking about. What I was talking about was the Holocaust of the Jewish people as Nazi Germany rained down a nightmarish havoc on those people. And knowing what we know now, it's really hard for me to watch documentaries or read history books without feeling utter shame that 85% of Christians turned their back on these people that Jesus calls our neighbor, that we turned a deaf ear to their cries. During 1938, 1939, 1940, we were responding by saying, we don't want them. We know there's a problem well, this is not our problem. Matter of fact, President Franklin Del- Roosevelt said, he wrote this during the time when the violence of the, 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 the reports were coming in about what was going on overseas. He says, what worries me the most is that public opinion over here, talking about America, is patting ourselves on the back every morning, thanking God for the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. In other words, it's not our problem. It's over there. That's their problem, not ours. And you see, at that time, our country was vastly an isolationist country. That if it, if it didn't happen in our backyard, then it really didn't matter to us. We refused to admit that what was going on over there, we refused to admit that there was a problem and that we were part of the global neighborhood that Jesus calls us to embrace. Matter of fact, the first lady, FDR's wife, Eleanor, she says, what has happened to us in this country? See, if we study our own history, we will find that we have always been ready to receive the unfortunate from other countries. And though this may seem a generous gesture on our part, we have profited a thousandfold by what they have brought us. And I I have to think there's probably not a single one of us um, here. Knowing what we know now of the atrocities of the Holocaust, of the concentration camps, that we knew it was bad, we just didn't know how bad. Knowing what we know now, if we were to go back to 1938, 1939, 1940, we would take action. We would throw open the doors and say, come, we want to take you, we'll, we'll provide you the safety that you need. But we didn't. And when I watch what is going on currently in our news today with Another people in crisis. 
I see history repeating itself all over again as I hear Christians saying, it's not our problem. We don't want them. And I, and I hear the excuses. I mean, the excuses are, what if? I mean, these come out of fear, right? They come out of fear. What if we, we open the doors to, uh, re- to refugees and ISIS, they send in people in disguise among them who would do acts of terror on our soil. Man, I get that. That's, that's, that's scary. But you know, it, it's the same excuse that Christians used in the 1938, in 1939, in 1940, when they said, we don't want to open the doors to these refugees, these Jewish refugees. It's the same exact excuse. They were afraid that Nazi Germany would send in spies among the refugees, that they would sneak in and do us harm on our soil. Well, it's a good thing we have the Bible. Because Jesus tells a really powerful story that relates perfectly to what is going on in the news today. See, Jesus was one time visited by a guy who was known as a Jewish law expert. You might call him a lawyer. And this guy came with a test for Jesus. He says, Jesus, I know scripture from front to back. I know it. But I want to know from you what you say I have to do to, be, to get eternal life. And Jesus pulls this kind of a Jedi mind trick on the guy. Because he asks, he answers his question by answering a question. Asking a question. He says, well, you're the expert. What what does the scripture say? He says, well, the scriptures say that I'm to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, bingo. You know it. You know what to do. You know it here but are you living it out? And the man's kind of walking away, and he turns back and says, I have one more clarifying question. Who exactly is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus drops this story that's going to blow this guy's mind. He says, first of all, there was this guy who was traveling, this Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, if you were listening to this story, as soon as Jesus said there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, you, you expected there to be trouble. There was, this was a dangerous road, this, repu- this reputation of this road. They actually had a nickname for this pass. It was called the Path of Blood. Parents of teenagers, if, you're, if your kids came to you and said, hey, tonight my friends and I, we're going to go watch a movie, but we're going to take uh, the path of blood to get there. No, you're not. You're not. You, you might consider Maple Avenue sometimes to be that. I don't know. Um, if we ever watch a horror movie, and you see that person, that not the sharpest tool in the shed, she's, she's getting ready to open that door in which you know something is on the other side of that door and you're screaming at the screen, don't go, go in that door. That's what the listeners would have been hearing as Jesus said, there's a guy traveling from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. They're expecting there to be trouble and there was. And now this guy has been assaulted, he's been robbed and now he's left for dead. And then Jesus says there were these two religious guys who are traveling that same road at different times, and they come across this guy, but they do nothing to help him. Even though they were of the same faith, they were of the same people, they did nothing to help them. And now we don't know the reason why they didn't stop. But could it have been, it's not a far stretch to say, could they have, 
Could it have been that they were protecting themselves? That they thought, you know, if I bow, if I, if I get down on my hands and knees and try to help this guy out, shake him, are you okay, buddy? Now, I am leaving myself open because this path of blood, there's curves all over the place, there's these cliffs, there's these caves where robbers are known to hide. This, is, this could, could be a trap. This could be a trap where if I get down and, and I'm helping this guy out, now I'm vulnerable and I'm going to get attacked from the outside. Could happen. And either way, they, they went on and, and passed by this man. And then Jesus, this is the mind-blowing part. Jesus says, but the third guy who came by was a Samaritan. And this is where we get our term, Good Samaritan. Our old hospital in town used to be Good Sam. Gets its name from this guy. But if you were a Jewish person living in the days of Jesus, that term, Good Samaritan, is an oxymoron to you. Because there's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. Because the Jewish people and the Samaritan people, they had this racial tension. They had this severe uh, rivalry with one another. Yet, Jesus says it was the Samaritan who saw this Jewish man and decided he was going to help him, that he cared for him without thinking of his own protection. This teaching of Jesus is clear, that love goes beyond borders, that love will inconvenience you, that it will cost you something, that it requires sacrifice, that it always takes action, and that love always does. And and God even gave a stern warning to his people when they were not defending the defenseless, when they were refusing to help those in need. God sent the prophet Ezekiel to the Jewish people because they were neglecting to defend the defenseless. And this is the message God gave to Ezekiel to give to the people. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned, and they did not help the poor and needy. Do you remember the the city of Sodom in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis? How God wiped them from the face of the earth? And sometimes we we tend to ascribe another sin to Sodom, don't we? But here is the mouthpiece of God, Ezekiel, who is reminding us, don't forget that the reason that God destroyed the people of Sodom is because they had grown callous toward those who needed help and refused to act. They had the resources, but they didn't act in love to them. So that's the refugee. Let's take another look at another at-risk group that the Bible talks about oftentimes. The book of Psalms says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. So another group that we're going to talk about today is the widow. And these, are, these widows, widowers, are in our very backyard, but sometimes get neglected. And in our church, though, we have a long history of serving the widow and the widower in the nursing home, the, 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 the uh, assisted living facilities in our town. I don't know if you guys even know this sometimes. Every Sunday, we have a team. We have five different teams who go out to five different assisted living communities in our own backyard and put on worship services, who just go to love on these people, to, to, to build friendship and relationship with them, give communion and sing worship songs and all that. And also, Bill Mays, our senior adult minister, he has just started a new program called the Earth Angels, where they minister to shut-ins, people who 
can't get out of their own home. And we partner them with families in our church. They go and, and, and to spend time with them on a weekly, monthly basis. And I just love that. Well, today I want to give more of a spotlight to our nursing home ministry. So I asked a guy, uh, this is Todd Klotzbach, and, and Todd is uh, married to Melanie Klotzbach. They've been married for about 25 years. Um, they have two kids, um, Jamie, who's a student at University of Maryland, and Lexi, who's a, eighth, a fifth grader at Rosecrans. And, and Todd, you work for State Farm. You're a big, big uh, you, you, you uh, have a lot of guys who work for you, and um, you do a good job in that area. But I'd like to ask you a few questions. One is, how are you specifically living out that value of one more orphan and widow cared for? Well, well good morning, Matt. Let me make sure this is working. Testing? Okay. Good morning. I'm actually doing it in two ways right now. Um, first of all, I have the most wonderful in-laws in the world. And my father-in-law had cancer 16 years ago and had been cancer-free for 16 years. And in January, it was, his cancer came back. He was diagnosed with two months to live, and he died in three weeks. So I've personally seen my mother-in-law try to grasp all this, and now the realities are setting in of trying to manage the house herself and all the other stuff that's going on. So I'm dealing with that personally. But in addition to that, I've been helping with the, uh, the nursing home team, and these are some wonderful people. I mean, these guys are doing a phenomenal job going out and, 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 and witnessing and, and servicing and providing a small service to these people in these assisted living facilities. So I have been trying to go over there and, and participate and help out the best I can and just sharing the message and encouraging these people to continue uh, to look for purpose in life and to put their life in God's hands and trust that he's going to take care of them. And you've been doing this for about a year. And, but I want to ask you, because uh, you mentioned that you, when someone asked you to be a part of the nursing home ministry, that it wasn't one that you were just ready to jump in with both feet. No, sir. No, sir. Um, <laughs> actually, that's a funny story. So this goes back a ways. I had been praying for a long time that God would give me an opportunity to be able and do something to go out and, and help some people that need help but to also be able to witness and minister and, and, and share with them what a great God and, and what an amazing Savior we have. And also praying, like probably many people here are doing, with things that were going on in my life, um, praying that he would sustain me and my family and so forth. So one day after service, um, Lonnie Larson, another great guy here goes to our church, told me afterwards that somebody was looking for somebody to go speak at the nursing home and, and kind of preach. And I started laughing. I thought that was the funniest thing I ever heard. I said, I'm, I'm not preaching material. I'm not preaching material. I'm not even on the same level as a preacher. Uh, and I just thought that was funny. I didn't think anything of it. And so I went home, and later that night I was sitting there, and, and Melanie said, hey, this guy named Jim Brinkerhoff's on the phone and wants to talk to you. And I'd heard of Jim, but I didn't really know him. And uh, Jim's another wonderful guy. Here he goes to our church, and, 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 and God's blessing him in many ways. But he called and said, hey, we need some help. And somebody gave me your name and said, you'd do a good job if you could go out and preach. And I told Jim, I said, Jim, I'd love to, but boy, I gave him some beautiful excuses. I talked to him about how my job had gone from 10 hours a day to 12 hours a day. My, yeah. my daughter was playing soccer. All kind of wonderful reasons. Um, true, true reasons, but, but nevertheless, excuses. Yeah. Um, to not do this. And so I went walking one night. I took a long walk. And God had reminded me, put it on my heart, how I had been praying, looking for this opportunity uh, to serve him. 
and how he's kept his end of the bargain and sustaining, you know, me and, and helping me and my family and, and, and my walk with the Lord. And um, how come I'm not doing what he wants me to do? It wasn't what I was looking for. And Lonnie and Jim probably didn't know at the time that uh, that was probably God's way of sending me a message. So I said, God, you win. I called Jim and I said, sign me up. I have no idea what to do, but I'll do whatever I can to help. And so that's how I got started. That's great. Well, you've been doing it for a year now. I want to tell you, ask for like a specific story that you might have that uh, maybe when you go to that nursing home, that's just a living facility, that there's maybe that certain gal, that certain uh, maybe widower who comes to beeline for you and uh, that the relationship that maybe you've built during that time? A uh, couple of things. So when I first started, uh, some of the women there, uh, and, and they're just super people, uh, were all praising how they loved Bill Mage and what a great preacher he was. And I was like, oh, goodness, I'm, I'm no Bill Mage, <laughs> but I'll do my best not to let you down. Um, and then just a few months ago, um, I had been going through a period of, I didn't even know what I was experiencing, but I heard a sermon about overcoming discouragement, and I realized that I was probably having some symptoms of discouragement, and most people go through discouragement at some point in their life on various things. And so I went and shared a, a message, a short message about um, um, if anybody was discouraged, how to overcome that and to take the focus off the problems and, and put them on a God who, who will, if we have faith and trust, will take care of us. And afterwards, several ladies came out, and um, they were actually on the verge of tears and said, thank you so much. I needed to hear that today. Thank you so much. And uh, there's a gentleman in a wheelchair. He's a former pastor. And afterwards, I said, well, how did I do? And he went, and I said, okay, well, that's good enough. Nice. You know, I, good. You, I, I'll, I'll come back next week. So Very good. So there you have You're it. You're getting rave reviews. I love yeah. it. Um, so what, what would you do? What would you, how, what would you say to these people out here who might have been you a year ago going, okay, that's a joke. And, that, and I know that we're not only looking for preachers and people who, right. who can lead songs, but we're just looking for people who will be present with those widows and widowers and build that relationship with them. What would you say to them? A couple of things. First of all, if I can do it, anybody in, the, in this room can do that. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. Um, there's a, there's a number of needs in our community um, and, and where people can plug in. First of all, these are small services where people go out, they provide communion, they give a short message. Um, the people there love to sing. I'm terrible at singing. My wife will tell you I'm horrible. Um, if any of you like to sing and enjoy singing and, and so forth and, and participating in that, I know that people would greatly appreciate it. If some of you like to go out and just share a personal story and, and help send a message on the Lord and, and, and what God's doing in your life and, and trying to continue to encourage those people that they, have, they still have a purpose and God's still using them in mighty ways, that's important. And sometimes even just going and participating in the service, they enjoy the, the, the company. And, um, Matt, I would just share that while we're talking about nursing homes and widows, not, there are people sometimes, unfortunately, there in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that become a widow. There's a lot of needs in the community. And we have a lot of ways in our life where God doesn't always create tragedies and things that happen, but he allows it to touch our lives and through those personal experiences, we can reach out and help people in some of the darkest times of their life and, and be a light in that darkness. So there may be some other widows that you know of that you can just reach out, even if it's a cup of coffee, or say, hey, how can I pray for you, or go mow the yard, or whatever it is. Or you can help out with the nursing home team, because, again, these people are you know, just amazing, doing some amazing things every Sunday, going out and giving their time. And so any of those kind of activities... 
um, would be helpful. And I'll just share this. If you do, if you take that step of, step out of faith, God will bless you in mighty ways. Thanks, Todd. Thank and you. would you give appreciation to Todd and the, and the nursing home team for what all they do? It's really great. Yeah. Well, lastly, I want to talk about uh, one last people group that the Bible talks about over and over again, and it's the orphan. And obviously, this is one that really uh, touches my, my family in a big way because God has used adoption to build our family and just love, love, love that. And we're not the only ones. We've got elders in our church who uh, have adopted. We have a long history of people in our church who have or currently are fostering children, who've adopted domestically and internationally, who we have grandparents and uncles and aunts who are taking care of children that because their mother and father, for many different reasons, couldn't, can't do that. But we are also engaged in caring for the children at risk locally and globally. And last year, we saw that with our Generosity Feeds program. We're going to do it again next, uh, this year as well, where we, we led the, pro- the project, but we invited the community to help us feed 30,000 meals to, to children who go home on Friday from school and don't get another meal until Monday. So we help provide meals for that, 30,000 meals. And, 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 and this last year has just been an absolute amazing blur because we have about 200 new people as part of the North Terrace family. So many of the stories that we know and celebrate, you don't even know about. And one of those is in 2014, I was invited by Compassion International and State of Church Planning to go to Columbia, the country of Columbia, not the city in South Carolina. Actually, I'm wearing the, the, the soccer jersey today to help, rem- help kind of make sure you remember this. And um, the, the, I went to Columbia, and I was able to see this new partnership that is working in, in, in amazing ways with the local church and helping care for at-risk children in their communities. And I, I went for a week, and I came back, and I wanted to share this with the elders and the church leaders. Um, and so I want you to watch this video I took with my iPhone while I was there in Columbia. Check this out. Hey, North Terrace, um, we are here in the, in the middle of Columbia right now on a very hot day um, on a place right behind us that's actually used to be a, a garbage dump. Um, the pastor, the minister who is just here just said that they found children eating uh, trash just out of the, 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 the dump here. But now is standing a, 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 a church that's being built that's going to also be supporting 200, maybe even more children uh, through Compassion, uh, but also this church being started through Stadia Church Planting. And I'm here with the president of Stadia, also an Ohio guy, uh, <laughs> Greg Nettle. And uh, he's from River Tree Christian Church as well. But uh, you explain so, a little bit Well, first of all, North Terrace, I love you. I've known about you for a long time and appreciate your partnership in, in every way. Um, I, I so deeply appreciate everyone who invests in planting a new church like this because it absolutely transforms a community. We want to make sure that every child in the world has a church. And I'm so deeply thankful for your sponsorships, for your investments. And, and Matt, I can assure you that, that every dollar invested, every prayer sent up, every you know, man hour uh, of labor uh, will be used to make sure that every child does have a church. Thanks so much. Yeah, and North Terrace, um, this goes right along with our values. The, the one more need met, the one more uh, orphan child at risk uh, cared for, this is a, a great opportunity for us that I can't wait for us to get to, to realize what God's going to do through us at North Terrace. So thank you for listening. 
Well, it's a proven, proven statistic that the best way, most effective way to reach lost people is to help plant new churches where they're at. And the area that I was in, this area called Palermo and outside of the city of Barranquilla, had no Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching church. And the, the, the Compassion International, which has a great reputation around the world of caring for at-risk children, they will not work in an area where there is not a local church. How they say it is, where there is no church, there is no compassion. And so, presenting this to the elders of the church, they said, this is our God-given opportunity to remedy this situation. We're going to plant this church there. And so, we challenged the church in November of 2014 and said, we're going to raise $80,000. We're going to give $80,000 above and beyond our weekly contributions of giving our, our tithes, and we're going to give this in four weeks. And we didn't get $80,000. We got $110,000 to give. And we gave this, we were able to start this new church. This is a picture uh, on the site uh, where the, the minister, go to the next, next slide there, um, where the minister right here behind this, this young lady, uh, that's Mr. Walter Gailindo. He's the minister of the Casa Mayor Church. They're on the, the ground where the church will be constructed. The next picture shows them measuring out the foundations with their tape and they're getting ready to, to do the, uh, the groundbreaking of the, of the church building. The next picture is the children of the community, some other people from the community. They had this big party at the groundbreaking of, the, of this new church. These are the classrooms that were being built last year. And this is the picture of the church itself. Uh, now it's done with phase one of their construction. The church services are going on. The, 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 the children's center is now going on. Um, and then the, this is the, again, this is the minister of the church. His name is Walter Galindo and his wife. And then the next picture, some more of their leaders as they're at the ribbon cutting and, and, and opening the, 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 the church itself. And this is something that North Terrace, this church in Zanesville, Ohio, God used in Columbia. And the story gets so much better because not only is there a church now that's helping people know who Jesus is, but because of that church now there, Compassion International has come in and has 200 children from the community who are a part of their child development center where they're getting education healthcare, schooling. Also, they're, they're getting, learning more about Jesus. Everybody has, all the kids have Bibles. Here's a, some testimonies from some of the people who are part of the program. We get little, these updates from time to time. Cindy Mendoza says, My son has learned songs about God and, and knows who he is. He also plays and has known other children with whom he loves to share. This is Luisa Salgado. It says, my daughter learned behavior habits, and every time they teach her a class, she practices it inside the family. This is a five-year-old, Lisney Patino Cardenas. She says, I like to be in the project. I love the painting workshops and the singing days. It is very fun to share with my friends, and I love very much my tutor, who I call Mami Cande. I'm not a Spanish speaker, but I believe that's the mother of candy. So I think that's the, what the, the teacher just loves to pass out candy. Um, but uh, it gets even better. Because on Mother's Day last year, Compassion International sent us the profiles of all 200 children who are part of our Child Development Center in Columbia. And they wanted to say, would you sponsor the children who are there? And church, you sponsored 180 of those children. And you write letters to them, and they write letters back, and you pray for them. 
we have sponsored two children, one from Bolivia and then also Duvian, who's part of that project in Colombia. And sometimes you go, are these kids for real? When you're sending your check, your money, you know, whatever, to, to every month for these children, and you go, are this, is this real? This is our friend Brent, who went down to Colombia last year. And one day we get this email. This is Duvian. And he gave him a soccer ball in our, in our honor. Um, and also he turned the camera to take a picture of all the kids in the project. And if you are sponsoring a child in Colombia right now, your child is somewhere in this picture. And this is really, really cool stuff. And but here, the, the story gets better because you need to write this on your calendar. June 6th through 14th, 2017, we're going to Colombia. We're going. And so if you are a if you are already sponsoring a child, we're opening up spots for you first before anybody else because we want to have any, as many reunions as possible for you to meet your child. We're going to serve at the Casa Mayor Church, the church we helped to start for a week. And I would love to do some soccer camps and all kinds of fun things that we can do in the community for them. So um, if you have not sponsored a child, we also want you to know that in the lobby today, we do have a display out there. Maybe if you're one of those 200 people who are newer to the church over the past year, and you never even knew that we did this, you have an opportunity today to go out there and see the girls and boys in Columbia uh, and could sponsor one today. I know several people from the past two services have already done so. But here's the deal. When it comes to these people groups, the refugee, the orphan, and the widow, let's keep this simple. It shouldn't be this hard. Here's the verse from, from the Bible. It says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's align our hearts with God. How can you and your family today begin to defend the defenseless? Because there has been no other greater action than when we were the ones who were defenseless. And God, when we were in the midst of our sin, while we couldn't do anything to help ourselves, God took action. Love did for us. That he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to take our sin, to take our punishment so that we could have new life, so that we could be adopted into his family. And that's the decision that we want you to make today. If you are far from God, today come home to him. You can see him as your father who loves you. And we're going to see people today taking that first step with Jesus today in the, in the, in the surrender of baptism. So today, uh, if you want to stand, we're going to sing the song of decision. And we're going to, if you would like to make that decision today, you can come forward and make that happen.